Hello and welcome to Value Research Podcasts. You are listening to the Fund Manager Interviews. Stay tuned for insightful conversations on the markets, funds and professional journeys of the fund managers. For today's interaction, I'm joined by my colleague Chirag and we have with us Ashutosh Bhargava, Fund Manager and Head of Equity Research at Nippon India Mutual Fund. Welcome Ashutosh and thank you for taking the time for this interaction. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Ashutosh, you started working with Reliance in 2008, and so how do you remember the you know that period of global financial crisis? What are your memories of those those days like? Yeah, so <laughs> uh, it was a tough environment to say the least. You know, um, just before the GFC, we thought you know markets can only go up. Uh, there was people perhaps had forgotten the very basic concept that markets are cyclical uh, and. Uh, uh come 2008 uh you know we realized that you know there's never different any time so it's always cycles always prevail uh risk management is a virtue uh, leverage is a double edged sword um more importantly uh, what i realized because it was a very brutal 10 odd months of uh uh bear market uh that you know fear is a very very strong emotion to encounter but if you can be patient and you reach the other side safely there's tons of money to be made on the other side so uh the virtue of being more patient be more systematic try to keep uh, being more level headed i think these were the virtues and uh, you know um, again time and again we have seen even after gfc there have been periods where such this kind of volatility uh that we have encountered so those those learnings have definitely helped ashutosh another thing was you manage one of the uh, top four schemes at the fund house so how do you manage this, how do you manage it uh, very large funds and managing a team of analyst so so um, you know i'm blessed to have that kind of opportunity to you know manage the whole team uh, on the research side but also contribute uh, whatever learnings i have had over the last 18 years uh in terms of the funds where i am involved so um you know uh, at the end of the day uh, most of our uh, investments rely on the research and research is the backbone of our investment team and uh, once you uh, manage the team interact with all the analysts who are experts in their own domain uh, that learning definitely helps in terms of um expressing that uh, those ideas uh, and learnings into the uh, various funds that i manage co manage so uh, we are being more bottom up in our approach and certainly you know uh, having a dual role uh, acts as a more of a complementary kind of uh, thing where uh, learning from um, research helps in fund management and uh, being uh, having one sh- uh, leg in the in the shoe of a fund manager ensures that we understand you know what are the gaps in the research which we need to correct uh, over, over time so um, it's a role which i gen- definitely enjoy uh, ashutosh just wanted to understand you know what is the uh, framework of your research framework uh, at the fund house and how big is your research team at nippon india mutual fund so in terms of style we don't marry to a particular style so ours is more balance in the approach so we um, we are neither too much on the growth side of of the spectrum not too much tilted towards 
value investing style. So, harshness, if I may say, and more cliche term, more GAR kind of investing. And this is what we encourage at a research level as well. So, we cover more than 470 stocks. Uh, we have a large 15 member research team. Uh, we don't have any concept of soft coverage. So, um, this is a very, very experienced team. Uh, and uh, in the kind of detailing we do uh, across our companies is also pretty pretty huge. Um, and in terms of approach, the approach is very simple. We need to identify right sectors, right companies, wherein we look at, uh, you know, factors like, uh, it, you know, size of the opportunity, uh, competitive environment, management quality, governance, and a lot of focus on numbers and being right on estimate, both from PNL and cash flow perspective. So uh, approach remains very simple, uh, be thorough in terms of uh, numbers, but having a medium to long-term time frame and don't get swayed by shorter-term volatility is what the message we give to uh, our research team members. Right. Now, can you describe your overall investment philosophy and uh, approach to managing equity portfolios specifically? So, as I said, you know, uh, ours is a more evi evidence-based uh, kind of investment style. We are typically what style we pe people talk about. We are style agnostic in that sense. We rely a lot on data and insights to identify stocks. Uh, and we focus more on growth and earnings earnings rather than you know only the valuation so for us it is growth first uh, and obviously valuations are important but growth and quality and uh, and quality of growth you know uh, comes much before the valuations for us so this is a broad framework uh, as far as you know how we go about doing that obviously um, we we again we look at respective sectors which will have their own uh, um, you know driving uh, principles so Broadly, it all remains the same. The total um, uh, addressable markets, um, the competitive intensity in the sector. Um, then we obviously look at um, you know the edge or most that individual companies would have, managerial competence, governance, etc. And particularly in the smaller companies, we also have a greater emphasis on management quality. You know, uh, not that we don't look at in large cap, but definitely in a, a small cap uh, stock research framework. Uh, management quality vision competence I, uh, I think this is where we get give slightly more emphasis so mix of everything you know uh, but more focus on bottom up rather than top down more evidence based and um, you know we give enough freedom to everyone uh, um, to express themselves because every sector would have its own uh, nuances so uh, no one size fit all but basic framework uh, and approach remains the same all right and for the benefit of our viewers how big is your investment universe so uh, as i mentioned we cover more than 470 stocks uh, in our universe um, out of which you know close to 240 250 stocks would be small cap and rest would be mid and large cap stocks so but you explained your strategy uh, uh, strategy at the fund house so the next thing is you know how and uh, what stocks do you compel to buy on the portfolio Sure. So, as I said, you know, we would prefer to stock having a very strong tailwind, you know, obviously sectoral tailwind is always preferable. But however, it's not necessary, you know, for any stock or set of stocks to come on a, under our portfolio. 
um, sector tailwinds improve the odds. But uh, when we look at individual stock, we look at stock fundamentals. Uh, you know, both the earnings and the quality of earnings should be improving. Um, we also, uh, I personally rely a lot on some of the quantitative factor parameters. And I try to identify stocks, you know, which are good on quality, growth, uh, sentiment, other tailwinds. And obviously, uh, there has to be some price value gap. So valuation comes as a handy tool, but not the only tool. Um, and, uh, you know, the combination of stock, uh, you know, ideally, uh, the best combinations are where uh, the stock is, also, uh, is coming in uh, some kind of uh, screening account framework uh, as far as factor investing goes and wherever analysts is also positive I think that makes a very compelling case for entry of a stock to come in a portfolio but at a broader team level you know it is uh, the faith in the research team members um, and the involvement of the senior fund managers uh, to drive the whole investment research piece I think the combined uh, effort and the confidence that it brings in to the table and the way we have devised our you know kpis where there is a very nice balance in terms of identifying and rewarding analysts uh, uh, for both short-term and long-term ideation i think that helps so it's a very holistic process uh, but you know uh, the good thing here is that every fund manager uh, is given a broad framework fund casing but within that framework uh, he or she is independently evaluating what stock to come into the uh, portfolio depending upon the mandate and their own style preferences uh, and it goes without saying that research always remains the backbone for every fund manager as far as providing input from bottom-up stock uh, picking perspective so you explained about the uh, uh, what are your analysis and then how the stock enter the portfolio but can you just explain what are the stocks or what kind of stocks you you never touch or stocks that never enter your portfolio so we look at three four kind of risk to be honest uh, we look at the business risk per se so there are sectors and companies where we identify their terminal growth risk problems um so they may not have a great future more great addressable markets so that becomes one of the criteria where uh, we become less interested in evaluating those companies. But that is not alone. We also look at uh, the governance quality. Uh, if there are red flags in governance, we don't even bring in in our coverage universe. We also look at managerial competence because not only the governance is important, but in a world with full of disruption and it's evolving very fast, we need to find management who are competent enough not only to maintain their market share but also to gain market share in, and enter into new categories and increase the pie for us as shareholders last, last but definitely not the least is the capital location policy uh, companies which are poor in terms of the capital location policy they also kind of get excluded so we have these three four broad risk parameters and if the companies on a holistic basis do not kind of clear those parameters they are not a part of our coverage universe and even if they are part of coverage universe uh, they rank pretty low in terms of preference as far as whole team's uh, perspective is concerned another thing was interesting thing was you know uh, in the last three to four year markets have, have seen one one side rally and we have seen most of the 
uh, retail investors coming into the markets and you know they're investing into bob stocks what we call the buying at any price that has been the scenario in the last three to four years so what's your overall take on the uh, on the buying at any price uh, scenario no, we actually have encountered this kind of environment so pre-covid uh, if i recall right we had that kind of environment where there were a lot of disregard for valuation in general uh, we i'll be very honest here you know there were at times that um, uh, there was some performance pressure also into that but we have always uh, stuck to our uh, broad framework broad philosophy and that is our gaf philosophy uh, so we have never overpaid in most of our portfolios um, uh, you know at a portfolio level um, we have always focused on growth and uh, quality of growth and as i said and i'm again repeating um, we understand that you know uh, overpaying definitely doesn't lead to superior medium to long term performance so uh, that has always been a cornerstone of our investment philosophy over the last many years and this in last two three years you know this has come very handy because those high valuation stocks uh, you know which were which were having astronomical valuation without commensurate growth upside they have been trailing those kind of stocks which are relatively cheaper or more many a times more in a cyclical kind of sectors where the growth is returning in those sectors they have significantly outperformed the so-called bob stocks that you talked about so gar poor bob or any other philosophy value or deep value etc I think we stick to that broader philosophy across our funds. Uh, but Ashutosh, just looking at the portfolio, there are few of the stocks you know which are high multiple P's in your portfolio. So how uh, how do you uh, you know justify that thing? So when we construct a portfolio, when we look at the portfolio uh, as a whole, we want to buy uh, participate in all kinds of profit pools. Some of the profit pools, uh, for example, in new age tech or some. Uh, discretionary compounder companies uh, in retail or other discretionary sectors they may not be cheap so they may be high pe companies uh, and and our philosophy is valuations is not about any integer pe ratio pb ratio valuation is much broader than it's all about price value gap so in a high growth company if we think that against its own time it is trading at a reasonable valuation and offers a significantly good upside in return ratio at an individual level we were we are uh, happy to have those companies as, as compounder and long term bets in the portfolio but when you look at the same portfolio at an overall level at an overall level you will find it's pretty well diversified it has a good mix of value plus these kind of company which are called growth companies at a portfolio level typically our portfolios uh, multiples that people track in the form of pe ratio etc would not be much different from benchmark in many cases actually lower than benchmark uh, despite the fact that most of our stocks would be uh, such where one or two years growth visibility is on the uh, uh, is is on uh, is on the improving side so um, individual level yes we are not averse to buying high growth high valuation companies but at a collective level we are very uh, cognizant of maintaining the right valuation at a portfolio level So, any particular stock which you feel it has an upside uh, potential upside, you go and buy despite having a higher valuations. Yes, as long as a stem or the total addressable market, that opportunity is good. It has some kind of edge of pricing power. Its competitive environment is supportive. 
managerial competence and governance level are is at different level and the capital location policies are also very good where, where they are generating good return ratios uh, if these are the quality which are available we won't be shying away from having those kind of stocks in the portfolio just because the pe ratios are higher so we are not fixated with that so that's why i said we are neither truly a growth kind of fund house nor fixated with deep value we are garp investors so growth comes first and what we pay obviously uh, comes handy in determining uh, what how we want to construct our portfolio at an aggregate level all right now ashutosh how will you define yourself as an investor as what kind of situations or what kind of stocks excite you to be honest you know my personal style is more evidence based i am more data driven um my uh, in, uh, inkling my interest also lies in looking at these quantitative uh, fundamental and technical factors so uh, for example i run a quant fund where i look at uh, various parameters like growth quality um, you know um, value uh, momentum sentiment and i try to identify companies which are ticking most of the boxes so uh, it's a you know diversified approach it's a very thick model which i call call it not relying on one or two parameters and more and more evidence if i get about a particular sector or set of stocks uh, this is where they come at the top of my preference so um, again uh, if they are also uh, uh, you know kind of combined with the uh, views of our internal research team analysts that gives me a lot more confidence to add those stocks in the portfolio so bit of mix of quant data um, as well as you know uh, uh, getting a bottom up support uh, from a team level and that that makes it a more hybrid kind of you know multi factor kind of investment approach at a personal level i enjoy doing that all right and how often do you face a situation when you know research points to a sell but uh, as a fund manager you see it as an opportunity and uh, how do you deal with such situations it 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 often happens you know uh, that uh, research uh, point of view uh, uh, could be different from uh, you know uh, what is uh, what a fund manager like us uh, would would perceive from a from um, at a, any particular time frame and i think these conflicts are fine and acceptable as long as you know the uh, two things are there that uh, research efforts are from medium to longer term perspective um, and uh, we encourage research team to have this independent view what we do if these are these conflict arise uh, we sit down we have very very high interactive uh, research and fund management environment so collectively we try to iron out the differences in opinion but even if the differences uh, remains and for us you know uh, what is also important at at fund management level we have our mandates we have our fund casing many at times we are also compelled to have stocks which are different from our research team views uh, but we have to also uh, manage and maintain those fund casing and mandate requirements we can differ uh, so we are fine we accept those differences as long as those differences are 20 10 20 25% and kind of contained at that level Uh, more and more we want the convergence on research to happen but we are not fixated to have this number at 100% kind of uh, group thing at a team level so we we are 
we have, in that way we are uh, evo- more of an evolved team and uh, we understand the continuous process and journey uh, where uh, uh, independence of thought is very much appreciated so so another thing was we looked at the nippon india multi cap fund and then we found several stocks more than dozen of stocks uh, in the portfolio for the past 10 years or so so uh, uh, just wanted to understand uh, don't you have a price target which prompts you to sell not about price target it is about uh, the companies if they are delivering and they are delivering on a continuous basis uh, just because stock has run up we don't necessarily exit as i said you know we we take decisive call in this particular fund for example uh, i along with a senior fund manager we take decisive call on two or three themes and these themes are not for one or two three four quarter they are for multi year perspective and if we believe in those themes even a stock has slightly run up uh, ahead of its time from a shorter term time frame basis we would adjust the weights here and there but we would keep holding the good companies great management as long as you know uh, we understand the thesis behind it the improvement these companies are doing uh, and we think that they are still uh, broadly well within the reams of what we want to pay for those kind of businesses so uh, the churning is something which is not unnecessary from our perspective uh, it's not that we buy a stock and we forget about it the evaluation process is a very continuous process uh, but we won't shy away of keeping stock for 5 10 even 15 years as long as those stocks and management continue to deliver and surprise us and the market uh, on a positive side are there any stocks which you have kept for 15 years or more in the portfolio there are few stocks we which we have been keeping for more than 10 years 15 years i don't think so but definitely there are many stocks which we have for 10 years or more so when do you sell a stock particular so obviously you know um, selling is also uh, is, is a function of a uh, few things so for example um if the stock that we have bought if, if it is in a, a cyclical stock and we believe that you know cycle is going to turn adverse that is a time we have to really think about uh, exiting those stocks right so um, in a cyclical stock you know selling becomes equally important you know uh, uh, and all obviously if we find the valuations being so high that we cannot justify with the current cash flow and the foreseeable cash flows or you know a complete no no would be if we find something which is which uh, crosses to the boundary of suspicion as far as management quality governance etc is concerned uh, that's why you know these 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 come um, um, as, as potential sell ideas and obviously as i said you know research is very very important piece for us so for research team as compelling arguments and they have opportunities uh, which are better than what we ex- uh, existingly holding in our portfolios uh, again uh, that also becomes one of the reasons why we would trim or exit a particular position because we would have to create space for a better risk reward opportunity in our portfolio so multiple reason no one particular reason but valuation would only be one of them uh, in my view Uh, ashutosh uh, while we spoke about you know you are having a, a few of the stocks for a decade or so but in in the portfolio i also saw f- there are few stocks which are there for brief period for two two months three months or four months so when does this kind of thing happen in the portfolio typically this kind of thing doesn't happen so you know orientation would always be for the medium to long term 
but many a times it, it so happens that uh, uh, the stock run-ups are passed or we identify some problems you know initial thesis we start buying something but we encounter uh, some issue which uh, compels us to revisit our thesis you know original thesis so that's where we start trimming positions um, um, which perhaps we would have bought few quarters ago uh, similarly the uh, this uh, stock in a cyclical sector for example uh, or, or something which is at a team level we know uh, this this portion of the portfolio we will always manage from a tactical standpoint and those tactical opportunity get uh, kind of realized in a shorter term time frame we move on to you know um, look for better risk reward opportunity so we are traverse to churning you know certain portion of the portfolio could always be such but at a broader level there will be uh, you know the churning would be well contained uh, as per the mandates and most of the stocks would be bought at least from the medium to long term uh, mindset you know the core of the portfolio would be from that mindset the tactical ideas could be 10 20% and not more than that uh, in overall scheme of things across portfolios so this tactical idea you can uh, uh, come in or go fast uh, uh, exit the stocks but relative this is it is possible as i said these are typically in those sectoral uh, uh, cyclical opportunity where cycles for a from brief time frame becomes more favorable and that's why we want to harvest that alpha also uh, but as i said you know they may not be a big part of our overall uh, portfolio all right you manage some pretty big funds so is size a problem it's all about the context so yes size is perceived to be the enemy of return so there's some element to it you know that uh, maneuverability gets compromised with size uh, but at the same time you know um, um, it, it it's a uh, journey so once you reach there you have to make certain tweakings uh, you have to start identifying uh, opportunities bit early um, and um, you have to um, you know back of your mind you have to take that thing into account that you know uh, there will be some impact cost uh, when you enter or exit a particular position uh so which side those constraint definitely comes in but you know this is not a new problem for us and any institution uh in most of the institution uh, which are even our peer group would face these kind of uh, compulsions and uh, adjust the strategies marginally here and there uh but the fundamental uh, would always remain the same you buy good businesses uh, be in the right things stay invested for long term and if you do these basics right then i think size would be one of the criteria for your medium to long term portfolio success and may not you know break make or break uh, uh, factor as such all right and what do you do differently in managing the multi cap large cap and your tax saving fund so these are the funds you know obviously i co manage with different fund managers and these individual categories have their own mandates uh, some of the mandates like multi cap we have to Uh, really focus more on the uh, bottom up side because there will be more mid cap and small cap exposure so in large cap fund sector selection becomes slightly more important while uh, stock selection bottom up always remain uh, important element but allocation effect becomes more important large cap when multi cap uh, or uh, or tax fund where the canvas or the universe is much bigger uh, um uh, there you know the focus more on bottom up taking uh, 
uh, more and more research input, doing more, uh, you know, uh, groundwork uh, on our own, uh, that becomes, you know, a, a slightly different uh, uh, criteria. But more importantly, you know, uh, we are all governed by our own fund casings. These fund casings are great guiding rules. Uh, so, um, and, you know, the research input, the research team remain the same. Organization philosophy uh, of, uh, you know, risk management, etc., that remains the same. Um, but, you know, managing money uh, with different uh, fund managers and different team members, uh, obviously different people would come with different temperaments. So there is some bit of adjustment at a personal level that uh, uh, I have to do. Uh, and there is a great learning in, in these kind of partnerships. So there are adjustments, but as I said, you know, basics remain the same. We want to identify good companies, great management, and think for a long term uh, 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 as far as overall portfolio orientation is concerned. If we look at the large cap, uh, large cap funds, you know, they are unable to beat the benchmark or generate the alpha. So what is your strategy to generate the alpha and uh, beat the benchmark uh, for the Nippon India large cap fund? It's a myth that uh, large cap portfolios cannot beat the alpha. So yes, the weight of evidence is slightly against them. Um, typically, if you look at uh, a large cap kind of universe, um, you uh, you uh, you realize that there's enough and more dispersion across different sectors and within the sector. You know, in in, in different stocks that comprise of various sectors. There are enough dispersion available. There are enough price value gaps are available. There is are enough uh, overreaction, underreaction that keep taking place for fund managers to, uh, you know, uh, create that alpha. What we refrain from doing is to do that. Uh, what what people call it closet investing. So if you don't take deviation, if you don't take right risk. I don't think then you will be able to create alpha over and above the expenses and fees that you charge. So you take deviation in three, four sectors where you have good insight, you have good conviction, and you take those meaningful deviation in these three, four sectors uh, in the overall risk management framework. Uh, and then you rely on the bottom-up opportunities across sectors. So you have to take deviations take advantage of the dispersion which are available on an annual basis. And as I said earlier also, in large cap in particular, you have to be right on both top down and bottom up. You can't rely on only on bottom up. So some bit of extra effort as far as doing the right allocation, choosing the right sector, I think that becomes slightly more paramount versus other categories. Right now, Ashutosh, Indian market is well researched now with you know increased institutionalization. So, how do you discover new ideas and opportunities ahead of others? No, uh, market is more researched. There's no two ways about it. But at the end of the day, the opportunities of mispricing keep coming, but because the participants remains the same. So you keep getting opportunities where participants are overreacting on either side. Either on the upside where they take the valuation to a very unreasonable level or in a slightly uh, difficult environment, something that we saw for many domestic-oriented cyclical sectors and companies uh, pre-COVID and around COVID. Uh, and that's where the mispricing happens. For example, in PSU companies, 
lot of PSU companies, those opportunities, mispricing were very, very serious uh, for anyone to exploit. So, so uh, I don't think that market being more research necessarily means that those behavioral aspects, the hard mentality, I think that goes away. And at an organizational level, uh, this is where, you know, the experience count, the process orientation counts to look for those mispricing on a continuous basis. And I don't think those, you know, uh, that those edges, uh, those competencies from fund management perspective, uh, they're going to go away anytime with, uh, with, with technology or more people, more research being more available. I think those behavioral edges will always remain. And I think these are the two edges because information and talent is in abundance in the market now uh what perhaps is missing is those those right frameworks long-term thinking and those behavioral edges uh which uh creates the difference in terms of you know um organization which creates longer term alpha and those who struggle to do so Ashutosh, another thing was uh you know few of the nippon india uh, schemes have made uh, equity schemes have made a comeback uh, but they were inconsistent before that. So what have you done to address the issue? So to be honest, you know, um, it's a right kind of observation that there were more volatility in returns and the experience were relatively less smoother for our investor, say five, six years back versus it is now. Today, we have more broad-based, consistent performance across many of our funds. It's not that last two, three years have been anything but you know easy right i mean they were all very volatile kind of phases that we are all dealing with uncertainty remains as much as it has been any time in the past what different we are doing now is that we have this framework called fund casing where uh, we are taking into account few of the uh, time tested principles uh, which makes the consistency the core of our overall investment philosophy so we we take the right risk not too less, not too much. So um, we we look at something like our active share uh, very seriously. There are no uh, deviations allowed in each of the fund's active share that fund manager can take. Uh, we have focused significantly on our uh, risk management framework. So each of the 470 stocks, we rate them on all kinds of risk parameters and that becomes the cornerstone of how we construct our portfolio. So uh, lower rated stocks in our risk rating, um, uh, there is a limit uh, what a fund manager uh, can buy uh, in the portfolio. And those limits helps because we don't want alpha to come by going lower on the quality curve. Uh, and typically, this is a problem which happens in bull markets that uh, the uh, fund managers start to go down on the liquidity curve quality curve we are very consciously avoiding those things and we have embedded those factors in our fund casing frameworks and the results are visible you know uh, and you know uh, it's been three four years uh, it's been more than five five and a half years we are making those efforts and three odd years these uh, benefits of those efforts have started to uh, you know kick in across our portfolio performance so um, and there has, there has been a lot of emphasis and a lot of hand-holding and learning uh, by our parent, uh, you know, so Nisai Asset Management. They also help us in terms of passing on their learning and experience, particularly on the risk management side. So style deviations uh, uh, or, uh, you know, um, individual sectoral 
tracking errors and active share ID. These are the things which uh, at a collective level is, uh, they are being tracked on a monthly basis. And if you follow those uh, gu guiding principles, uh, consistency is, is a definite outcome. And uh, we think, you know, that journey has, uh, we are well ahead in that journey and um, we are very well aware that, you know, we have to uh, not only address and we have to ensure that uh, the investor community consider us uh, as a very responsible fund house, uh, which focus a lot on the uh, journey of our investor and the experience that they have with us uh, in their long-term wealth creation uh, journey. You also manage uh, asset allocation fund at the Nepal India Mutual Fund. So, uh, and that has been demand for the past few years, kind of thing. Many investors invest right. in this, this kind of fund, you know, directly they get the asset allocation across the equity and debt. It's a differentiating, differentiating factor which you bring to the table at the Nepal India Mutual Fund for this asset allocation funds. So, I believe in uh, more of a multi factor approach as far as asset allocation is concerned. So, we not only rely on typical buy low, sell high. Uh, valuation driven strategies, we combine it with more of a macro behavioral factors as well. And we don't shy away from even including momentum factors, which some people would find it, uh, uh, you know, not so um, intelligent way of doing asset location. We find value in, uh, in a more diversified approach. And uh, the three to four different asset location strategies that I manage. Uh, uh, we ensure that uh, we give uh, the investors choice as far as the extent of diversification and dynamism that investor is looking for. Vis-a-vis, uh, -vis, you know, uh, the, the, the trade-off which comes naturally with that, the complexity of the products. So for example, in a multi-asset fund, we only talk about um, diversification in really uncorrelated asset classes like international equity, domestic equity, gold and fixed income uh, and we don't run it in a big dynamic manner it's more simple uh, not very complex but it provides adequate amount of diversification and good risk adjusted and which investors are looking for but in certain other uh, approaches like a balance advantage fund or asset location or settle allocator FOF we use uh, our models uh, uh, to reduce our subjectivity and we try to uh, navigate, uh, you know, uh, market, different market environment based on these uh, time-tested, diversified uh, models, uh, which helps us in, uh, you know, being in uh, equity and other set classes in, in a, uh, you know, in a rightful manner across different market cycles. So I've been doing it for last more than five years now in different uh, uh, products, uh, and uh, now it is reasonably well uh, settled and established there has been a good learning curve for us uh, and uh, again we don't take side here in terms of being a pure play valuation driven asset location uh, solution providers or a pure momentum driven solution providers uh, we believe in the diversification at an input or a model level and that what differentiates us in terms of you know giving all uh, kind of right products for different kind of audience uh, with different kind of likings for complexity vis-a-vis, -vis, uh, you know, complexity and uh, uh, dynamism vis-a-vis -vis, uh, those who are looking for simple 
plain diversification option those are also very well available with us you have been in the financial industry for past over two decades so could you share which were the uh, which were the investment decision which you are really proud of in your uh, long uh, career of over two decades no uh, to be honest you know that has been the learning the biggest thing at individual level or collectively at a team level is to stick with our conviction on the domestic uh, demand oriented stories so we had a tough time between uh, 2019 in particular and uh, early part of 2020 where due to variety of reason uh, post uh, pre covid that you know this cyclical recovery could not take shape uh, we stuck to that belief that domestic demand is a bigger opportunity domestic cyclical sectors provide bigger risk reward versus those external sector opportunities and uh, that framework that belief has really worked and the result of that is that across our portfolios large cap multi cap small cap mid cap uh, that belief of individually and at a collective level has really played out so uh, getting the call on the cycle right and those segments right that has really being uh, you know a, a big um, big big kind of uh, satisfying uh, achievement if if we we can say at a collective level for us all right and anything that you regret in your over two decade long career i regret is a very strong word uh, so i would say it is more like uh, learning you know for us so uh, and 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 to be honest we make our due due share of mistakes almost all the time so that's not something that we shy away from i mean we are in a business of probabilities we go wrong many a time but learning from the mistakes not repeating them again and again is something that you know systematically we imbibe when at a collective level many a times we don't realize but, but that becomes a part of the whole process so Uh, um there have been many 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 such learnings so for example one of the learning very recent learning for example was that post covid people would come back to the older habits in certain categories it happened with a vengeance but in certain categories we perhaps didn't realize that covid has certainly changed some some habit uh and um for example um, movie watching for example right uh, and it took time for people to really come back to the theater so Uh, these are the learning you know now people are now coming back but it took good two years for people to uh, come back to movie watching but these are the uh, learnings and beliefs that gets challenged from time to time but then you know as i said you know uh, there's never a, a point where we we believe individually collectively that we have cracked any code so all a probabilistic game and uh, we have to have a full faith on the process and keep learning keep making mistakes minimize those mistakes and uh, and and keep you know evolving ourselves all right great that's all for today we hope our viewers benefit from the insights that you've shared and uh, ashutosh thank you for joining us and answering these questions thanks thank you thanks ruchira thanks ira thanks for having me